Well, good morning again. It's good to hear all that mumbling and the gentle whispers of prayer. Just, especially during this series on the Holy Spirit, just that sound just kind of encourages me to hear that the Holy Spirit is active here in this room. As you know, we are in the midst of a series where we're talking about the Holy Spirit and learning more about Him. And uh, just to give a little roadmap of this morning for about the next hour or so, there's going to be two parts. The first part will be uh, what is our normal part of our service uh, on the series on the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to transition to the second part, which will be part of our annual meeting presentation. And, and this presentation isn't just for our membership, but it is for all of you all here present, because Hopefully, during that time, our board of directors wants to share a bit about what's been happening in our church, and hopefully those stories will be uh, encouraging and inspiring, and also an opportunity for you to learn more about our church during our second half. So that's a little bit of a heads up of what's going to be coming up, and let me go ahead and say a quick prayer as we enter into God's Word. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time for us to gather in your name. And so I pray that you will open our minds, our eyes, our ears, our hearts to what you want us to know and feel during this time as we look into your word and to learn more about the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's gifts to us. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So in my spare time, which I do get ever so often, one of the things I love to do is to go fishing. I've been doing this for a long time, and I've had the great fortunate blessing to be able to encounter different kinds of fishing. And uh, lately, for the last four, four years or so, I've been able to go tuna fishing, which is an amazing rush. It's a great thrill to be able to go after these, these big fish. And I think I have a picture of one of the largest ones I ever caught. That's a bluefin tuna. It's about 65 pounds. And it took me about two hours to bring that, that fish in because we were a little bit uh, underarmed. Or we didn't have uh, expectation of catching fish that size. We were looking for maybe 20 pounds. And so there are particular uh, setups that we use for our rod and reel to prepare for that. So if we're only preparing for 20-pound fish, larger fish can break our lines. So here I had to... When we go for tuna fishing, you use particular rods and reels, and this is the one that I use. To actually, uh, I had just bought this rod, so it was the first time I used it, and I actually caught that fish. So it's kind of a great thing to be rewarded. So when I was fighting that fish, there, uh, how you know, uh, if you're not familiar with fishing, there's a, a system on the reel that's very important that is called the drag. It creates friction so that when the fish uh, fights against us, when it's hooked up, it, 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 not to break the line, it allow, the reel allows the fish to pull line out. But it has to do it under a certain amount of friction or resistance. So you're trying to tire out a fish. And this particular one was 65 pounds. Tuna are just pure muscle, so they are very strong. And, and so with leverage and with friction, you're trying to tire the fish out. So after an hour and a half, uh, my arms are dead tired because essentially I'm trying to reel the fish in and the fish, uh, the tuna 
resists and just runs off. And so it's this back and forth tug of war kind of battle with the tuna. And about an hour and a half into it, the captain of the boat looked at my reel and he said, um, you might want to push this button here. And, I, and it's, because it was a new reel and rod setup, I was not familiar with what I had. And also uh, in the midst of chaos and just exhaustion, I, I forgot that I have a two-speed reel. So there are reels that have two speeds. It's like a bicycle. You have different gears. So when you push this button, the, the reel shifts into low gear. And then all of a sudden, where I could not crank the fish in anymore, in low gear, I can slowly then bring the, the tuna to the boat. So that was something where, where special tools help us to accomplish what we need to do. And in fishing, particularly going after tuna, we have to use two-speed reels. So my story is use, I'm using it to illustrate that a lot of times as Christians, we don't realize the special tools or gifts that we have been given. When we accept Jesus as our Lord, in many ways he invites us to become part of his plan for the redemption of the world. And that's a big plan. It takes a lot of effort and special abilities to be able to do that, to share the gospel and bring transformation into the world. And through the Holy Spirit, which is a gift that you get immediately upon accepting Jesus as your Lord, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes with gifts to every follower of Jesus Christ. And these gifts are called spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are defined supernatural power given to individuals at the sole discretion of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of fulfilling the mission of the church and for the good of others. It's supernatural. It is power that you get when you receive the Holy Spirit. And Apostle Paul talks about these gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me. I'm sure it's going to be projected behind me on the screens. And so let us look into God's word. 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 1. The Apostle Paul writes this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to the, another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And that is the word of the Lord. Now, spiritual gifts 
are different from natural abilities and talents. And they can't resemble natural talents, but they're not. They're actually supernatural. And the emphasis is on super. It is not something that is, just comes from ordinary gifting and abilities. It is something that comes from a supernatural source. And that source being the Holy Spirit. When you make that decision to follow Jesus as your Lord, uh, he gives you the Holy Spirit as your helper and guide. The Holy Spirit gives every believer at least one spiritual gift. And actually, often he gives a set of spiritual gifts. Totally at the discretion of the Holy Spirit. And we see this in verse 11 in the passage I just read from 1 Corinthians 12. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the Holy Spirit totally decides which spiritual gift to give to you. So if you're not happy with your spiritual gift, you've got to address it with him. But it's totally up to the Holy Spirit's discretion to give gifts, these spiritual gifts to you. And I assure you, every believer has at least one but I would also remind you that it's probably given a set of them. Now, I'm not sure about all of you, but I feel that probably a lot of us are not very familiar or even think about our spiritual gifts because it's not really natural. It's not really normal. In our daily lives, most of us deal with rationality, logic, right? We don't really think of the spiritual or unnatural things, or things that are supernatural. It's just not the daily um, things that we encounter in our lives. But unfortunately, this causes us to essentially live our Christian lives with a handicap. Because if God calls us to be part of his mission, he gives us power, resurrection power through the Holy Spirit, that he wants us to achieve his mission in the world. But that power also is to bring us joy, peace, comfort, faith. And if we don't realize that, it's like going into the world with one arm tied behind our back. You're working at a handicap. And so this morning, I want us to encourage us all to to do the first step in enjoying God's gifts to us is to discover the gift that God has given to you through the Holy Spirit. To discover your spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So what is the Apostle Paul talking about here? He's talking about the before and after. When you were pagans, you could say certain things and you can do certain things totally away from God. And you are in some ways in a, in a little bit ignorant naive or uninformed about things. But when you become a follower of Jesus, when you accept to follow Jesus as your Lord, when you have the Holy Spirit in you, a light bulb turns on. 
you are now given knowledge of the presence of the Holy One and that you have power that you had never had before. And this power allows you, what Paul is saying here, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you cannot say Jesus is accursed. You cannot say vile things about Jesus. That would be totally foreign to having the Holy Spirit in you. Once you are transformed, you should be able to say that Jesus is Lord with a true broken heart. One cannot say Jesus is Lord unless you have the Holy Spirit in you. Because that means uh, truth to you. If it isn't truth to you, you would not be able to say that. Part of your identity. And is it a part of your identity? Then you will have the Holy Spirit in you. And part of your identity is you have these spiritual gifts because you have the Holy Spirit. These spiritual gifts are, are, are characteristics of the Holy Spirit. The characteristics the characteristics of the Holy Spirit as your helper and guide gives you some of these qualities that he embodies. And essentially, these are qualities of God. Essentially, you have become God-like. You're not only made in the image of God, but you are God-like and having God-like power and ability. Some scholars describe um, the the spiritual gifts in three categories. They're called motivational gifts, ministry gifts, and manifestation gifts. Tongue-tied there. We see this in the passage. We'll see these in the passage that I just read. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 says, Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. These are known as motivational gifts. These are gifts that you get as soon as you become a Christian through the gift of grace you get these gifts and then these gifts that the Holy Spirit give to you help you to look at the world with a certain particular uh, perspective and Romans 12 verses 3 through 8 I'm not going to read the whole passage for you is another uh, parallel passage that talks about these motivational gifts these gifts of grace and in that passage there are seven gifts Spiritual gifts that are mentioned. Uh, In verse 6, it says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, these spiritual gifts. First is prophecy. Then there is service. There's teaching gift, exhortation gift, generosity, uh, leadership gifts, gift of mercy. So in that passage in Romans 12, there are seven of these gifts these spiritual gifts that are known as the gifts of grace that are given to you upon receiving the grace of God when you accept Jesus as Lord then you get at least one of these gifts and these are motivational meaning you are transformed and when you look at the world you see it through a new lens and then these gifts help you to um, say things and act in a certain way that, is re, uh, that resembles Jesus. And these are known as the motivational gifts of the spiritual gifts. The next group mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 are known as the ministry gifts. And we see this in verse 5. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. The word service. 
These are gifts that are given to you to help serve God in the world, to help build up the body of Christ, the church, and to help build um, the church for others to come to know Jesus. These ministry gifts are tools that God helps believers to build up his church and are very practical and essential. And they're listed in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 27 to 31. There are nine spiritual gifts that are known as the ministry gifts in that passage. And I read them to you. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. There, there are nine of them that the Apostle Paul lists in, in that part of 1 Corinthians 12. And these, as I said, are known as the ministry gifts. A parallel passage, Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, also lists about five of these uh, gifts. These are often known as the leadership gifts of the apostle, prophet, uh, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. So there's leadership gifts, which are part of these ministry gifts, and these are given to individuals to help build his church up. And, and, and these, these gifts are, are, are wasted. If, if, if you've been given these gifts and you don't utilize them, then, then in some ways, this is a tragedy. This is something that, that, that is meant for the good of others to help build the church. And if they're not being used because we're not aware of them or unfamiliar with them, then, then there is a consequence. That there is a, a, a penalty or almost a, a uh, lacking of, of the entire church if those gifts aren't being used. So that's why my, my encouragement here is to discover them, to, to, to find out if you have any of these particular gifts and also then to use them. Now the final last set of gifts that's mentioned here by, by Paul, remember I said there are, are gifts of motivation to help you look into the world upon uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. Then there are these ministry gifts that helps you serve the church and to serve others. The final set that he mentions here are known as manis- manifestation gifts. And, and these gifts are gifts that demonstrate the power of God to the world. To basically, to, to those who are not believers, they can genuinely see the power of God, supernatural power that his followers have. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6 says, And there are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Note the word activities, active, an active power. These gifts are supernatural demonstrations of the Holy Spirit's presence and power to demonstrate the power of God and his people to others watching and is for the benefit of those who are not followers of Christ, those who do not believe yet, to see such power. It's the awe and wonder of God. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 and 11 lists 
these manifestation gifts, and there are nine total. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, the gift of working miracles, prophecy. Pastor Andrew, uh, his message last week about, was about the spiritual gift of prophecy. The ability to distinguish between spirits, various kinds of tongues, that's known as speaking in tongues, which is an angelic language. And more, probably more importantly, interpretation of such languages as tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And it's most important to realize that these gifts, which are very special and very powerful, are not meant for the person who has them for their benefit. It can become very dangerous if one becomes prideful in their spiritual gift. It is not given to, to you for your own benefit. It is for the benefit of others, and primarily for the church and for those who the church serves. And it is also more not for your glory, but is for the glory of God. So the first thing I, I encourage you all is to discover spiritual gifts, to become aware of them, and then to, to familiarize yourself with these spiritual gifts because each one of you do have them. And as I said again, I repeat this over and over again, you not only have one, you've probably been given a set of them. So does, the, the next thing that besides after discovering your gift, it is to desire the gift. Because you could have something, but if you don't want to use it, that's also a failure. You have to really want to use the gift that you've been given. And that's what the Apostle Paul says, to desire the gift. Matter of fact, he says to desire the gift also means to love Jesus. To love Jesus is also to desire your gift. To desire your gift also means you can then love like Jesus. They're kind of interconnected. He says this in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophecy. He actually talks about the prophecy gift here. But the key point here, which is for all the spiritual gifts, is to pursue love, but in the pursuit of love, then earnestly desire the spiritual gift that you've been given. And, and he lists, as I said prior, all these gifts that, that the Holy Spirit has and has given to each one of you. One of them, at least. Earnestly desire. Now, many of us are probably do not earnestly desire our spiritual gifts that we have been given by the Holy Spirit. But to love others as Jesus instructs us to, Paul seems to connect spiritual gifts with the ability to love. And I would venture to say also that it's not just being able to love, but to also experience peace and joy in your life will come when you actually utilize your spiritual gift. To receive more joy and fulfillment means using the power that God has given to you. And it is given to you through these spiritual gifts. So first discover your spiritual gifts, challenge yourself to desire them, and then finally develop the gift. Discover, desire, then develop. That means actually realize you have it, want it, then develop it, use it. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, and that is verse 
7 in 1 Corinthians 12. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The second half of that, that, that scripture verse, for the common good, is really important. I mentioned earlier, it, it's a tragedy if none of us use our spiritual gifts. You're one member of a big body, and all the members have to partake of, uh, of what they've been given by God to do, because if you don't, then the, the body is penalized. The church is, is at a handicap. You have to use your spiritual gift for the benefit of the church, for others. Spiritual gifts are not for our own benefit and they're not for our profit personally. They have been given to us for the common good of the body of Christ. And if we don't use them, it implies that the body of Christ, the church, is harmed or at least be lacking. And essentially, spiritual gifts, if, if you're not sure of your calling in God or what your purpose here on earth is, your spiritual gift gives you that kind of purpose. God has anointed you, has given to you a particular power through the spiritual gift and it's part of your purpose that he wants you to fulfill in this world. So there's a self-gratification to discovering your, your, your spiritual gift because it will give you a purpose. If it is the gift of teaching, then you are to teach others. If it is a gift of mercy, then it's to show compassion and mercy to others. If it's a gift of service, then it is to serve others. If it is a gift of healing, then you are to heal others. Many of these gifts are very practical, but more importantly, they give you a purpose in this world for God. And if you're going through life not wondering what you can contribute to God's work, discover, desire, then develop your spiritual gift. And I'm, I gave some practical ways of, of how to dis- develop your gift. First thing to do is study the scriptures about spiritual gifts. I've listed the most important ones here in, 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 my, in my message. Go back, reflect on them, study them. Um, look at them f- for yourselves to see how it, how it means. Just don't take my word for it. Listen to God and, and, and f- hear from him what he wants you to know about spiritual gifts. Uh, there are spiritual gift inventories. And you can find these on, online. They're, they're free. And they're pretty good. Uh, I recently took uh, two of them that I found online. Just Google it. And, and they, again... Uh, affirmed uh, my set of giftings that uh, I had uh, discovered like 30 years ago and I've been utilizing for, for much of my life as a, as a Christian. But I, I just took those tests again and the same three, three to six gifts came up. And so I encourage you, just do it. It takes only 10 minutes or so, and, and, and you'll be able to get an idea of, of uh, how you're gifted by God. Read books on the topic. There are plenty of, of resources on, on spiritual gifts, so read, read books that other authors have uh, talked about these particular signs of whether you have these gifts, the characteristics of the gifts, how they can be used, the 
the good side of these gifts. There's always a dark side of these gifts. So that's often sometimes when we, we are familiar with the giftings we have. Uh, in my particular case, in some of my giftings, it, I'm, I'm scared to use them, just to be honest. Because when you're dealing with the spiritual world, uh, it's not something to take lightly. Uh, those of us who are in the faith, we are not here just physically, but we have a spiritual world that is around us. Uh, and, and it's not something to be uh, held trite. It's something that we have to take seriously. And when we do battle in the spiritual realm, because these gifts are not meant just, these are supernatural powers. Spiritual gifts are supernatural. So they're not meant to just be used for physical, natural, normal things in the world. They're meant for you to use to battle spiritual things, to be used to bring spiritual transformation and activity. And again, I said that's not part of our normal lives. We deal with logic, rationality, practicality, things that are tangible. But spiritual world is not necessarily tangible. It's not necessarily logical. It doesn't necessarily make sense. And that's not our common experience. So there is a dark side or a fear factor in utilizing your spiritual gifts. But God, Jesus, has taken care of that faith or that fear. The ultimate fear is dying. And Jesus went to the cross to take care of that fear of dying and death. And that's the kind of perspective that often a lot of us don't appreciate or really realize. Then um, besides reading, taking these spiritual gifts, ask trusted friends for affirmation of the gifts. Others will, if you are truly transformed and you have been living in, in the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit's in you, others will be able to see, especially uh, experienced, mature Christians, followers, mentors, pastors, leaders, they should be able to see these giftings in you and identify them. So it's not just your own feelings, but they can be affirmed by others. And so seek out other, other people you trust, and they, they can then affirm whether you have these spiritual gifts. And then finally, the, the, the only way to know you have these gifts is to, to try them out. Don't, and don't be afraid to fail. It just means maybe that's not your gift. But you don't know until you try it, to experience it for yourself. So practice, practice, practice. That's what you have to do. Just If you feel you have the gift of, uh, of healing, pray for others for healing. If you have the gift of hospitality, serve other people. Welcome strangers. Whatever the gift may be, try it. And... and only through that experience, then others can observe it, you can experience it, and see whether or not it's affirmed. So imagine, and this is my encouragement, is that, remember I said that if we don't understand, or we don't appreciate, or we don't use our spiritual gifts, there's a consequence. And a lot of it is a harm to the church, and to God's work. And, and all of us truly, really want to build up the church. And if we truly believe that we, we have a God that loves us, we want to respond in our love by serving him and using our spiritual gifts. So imagine what the church can be 
and what the church can be like in the world if we all tapped into the power that God has given to us so that the Holy Spirit can be released to do amazing things in this world. Uh, my personal gift set is teaching, uh, wisdom, and the discernment of spirits. And, and so they're kind of interrelated. The discernment of spirits is one of the manifestation of the spirits uh, giftings. And that's the one I knew as a little child that, that I had this possibility. I, um, so don't think I'm, it's, it, I'm, I don't usually emphasize this, this, this gift. I don't like to share it publicly because, again, it's not normal for, for us to talk about these things. And, and if you say these things, people think you're crazy. Uh, actually, I thought I was crazy as a child. Uh, dip, being different, I I uh, I, I would have dreams, and, uh, spiritual dreams, where I can see uh, spirits and usually evil spirits. There there are dreams where I feel Satan is attacking me and and uh, uh, like stabbing me in the heart, and I would wake up and my wife would pray for me because it, it's so real, and it is real. And usually they happen, uh, usually when I have to make a big decision for the church. There was one time uh, I, had, I was teaching, which is one of my gifts, I, te- I was teaching about angels and demons in a seminar. And one of my board members said, you know, Calvin, that, if you're going to do that, you're probably not going to be uh, free from the en- Satan, in- the enemy attacking you. And I said, yeah. So they were praying for me, but the night before I was supposed to give that class, I had one of these dreams. Of, of Satan attacking me, uh, and I woke up with a, uh, with a just shaking and wind and chest pain. And, and my wife, who was next to me, uh, woke up and prayed for me, and, and instantly that 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 pain went away. But that's that's the reality of my life. Uh, and as I can see demons, and I also can hear voices. Uh, when I walk into air rooms, I sense good and evil. And I, when I look into people, uh, I can, I, I sense certain things. So that is the gift of discernment of spirits, is being able to understand what is true and what is not true. That tends then to lead to other giftings like wisdom or knowledge, meaning God gives me um, uh, his counsel of knowing what is right and what is wrong. That is a manifestation or attribute of that that, that characteristic. So I share that because I want to close my message with this particular story. And so it's not, I don't want to use my stories, but this is a story that I just recently heard from, from Colin Tomakawa, who is the director of InterVarsity uh, here, uh, here on the West Coast. And he shared the story of one of his ministry workers, campus ministry workers, who has what I, uh, I believe has the discernment of spirits gift. And she writes this story. Um, at American River College, you're trying to establish uh, a chapter in a varsity there. And, and Jessica is her name. And she set up a table in, in a plaza area where they just put a sign up like, who do you think Jesus is? And so they like to attract a lot of students or people walking by to ask questions. Ask them questions and then in their response they would just say, uh, who do you think Jesus is? And so they would get all kinds of crazy uh, answers and one particular person that Jessica writes about, she, 
she talks about this young student named Aaron. And so I read this passage that, uh, in her blog letter. One particular student that came up to the table was named Aaron. And he told me he was an active Wiccan and Satanist. So he didn't think he would be a good idea to fill out one of our contact cards. But I felt prompted to ask him further questions about why he identified as a Wiccan and what he valued about his satanic practices. He told me he was searching for answers about his father's death and looking for certainty in life. He said he also liked the connection to nature and the power from the spiritual realm. When I asked him if he had a lot of nightmares, heard voices in his head, or felt like there were times when his body was reacting outside of his control, he responded with, yes, how did you know? I, Jessica, proceeded to explain to him the dangers of welcoming things from the spiritual realm into his life and that following Jesus is the only way to really get rid of them. I then asked Aaron if he would be willing to pray to Jesus and ask him for healing and freedom from the voices and nightmares. He said yes, and as we prayed together, Aaron heard Jesus speak to him. Aaron heard some deeply personal words and invitation from Jesus as well as an invitation to join our community. I asked him how he felt after the prayer, and he said he felt so light and free and was genuinely excited to come to Bible study with all his questions about Jesus. I am seeing how easy it is to talk to students about Jesus when they have a personal encounter right there. That's an amazing, powerful story of supernatural ability to recognize uh, demons in this young man and then pray for him to release him from those kind of bondage. And there's a side story that Jessica notes that in this encounter that she was having with Aaron, who was a former Satanist, there was an atheist who identified himself as not believing God, saw this and was amazed at the deliverance. And that is the purpose of our spiritual gifts, is to bring glory to God, but to show an unbelieving world the power of God. And Jessica, in her story, at this campus, was able to demonstrate that. Amazing things can happen when we are faithful in using our spiritual gifts. So discover Desire, develop your spiritual gift. And Jesus promised this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. You all that follow Jesus, if you believe in that promise that Jesus has given, will do even greater works than Jesus himself. So my hope is you believe that and trust that that can happen through your use of your spiritual gifts. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son Jesus who went to the cross to not only reconcile you back to, to, to your family, but also then to give us the Holy Spirit as our helper and guide. And through the Holy Spirit, the gifts that the, the Holy Spirit comes bearing to give into each one of us is ones that you want us to enter into the world to bring glory to your name but more importantly, to transform hearts to know Jesus as their own Lord and Savior. So I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.